0: Hello and welcome to Musici Chats. My name is Beth McLynch. I'm the founder and artistic director of Musici Island. During the COVID lockdown of 2020, I decided to start a podcast to chat to different artists from throughout the sector about their jobs and what the future of live performance might look like. The first 12 episodes can also be viewed as videos on our YouTube page and you can find out more about all our projects on our website www.musici.ie. We have some amazing guests coming up, so if you enjoy the podcast, please do subscribe. And also, maybe you have friends that you think might be interested in this, please do help us by sharing and writing reviews on your favourite podcast providers. My guest today is wonderful singer and actress Zoe Rainey who I met first uh, several years ago now, working in the National Opera House here in Ireland as she came over to work on the Owen Colfer and Liam Bates musical, *Noel*. Zoe's stage credits include Lois and Kiss Me Kate for Opera North and Welsh National Opera, Milo Davenport and an American in Paris of the Dominion Theatre, Winter's Tale and Romeo and Juliet, both directed by Kenneth Branagh at the Garrick Theatre, she Stoops to Conquer at the National Theatre, Guys and Dolls, and Parade, both at the Donmar Warehouse. And recent film credits include Mr. Holmes for Bill Condon, and Walt Disney's live-action remakes of Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast. You're going to hear a little clip now of Zoe in action, as she played Milo Davenport in American in Paris.
1: Shall we dance, or keep on moping? Shall we dance, and also run you Bye. <laughs> To see you. Yes, I'm you. Thanks for having me. Oh, no worries. So, um, tell me where, whereabouts are you? I am in West London, in, oh, lovely. in my house, uh, isolating with my husband. With your husband, okay, so yeah. you're not, not on your own anyway. <laughs> no, no, we're not. And we've got lots of lovely greenery around us, so plenty of places to walk, which is really nice.
0: Oh, that's lovely. And tell me, we will launched right in, like, were you in the middle of a show or anything when lockdown happened, or...? Yeah,
1: so, uh, on the Monday that the West End closed, um, that was our press night for a show called The Wicker Husband that we were doing at the Watermill Theatre, and we actually did continue on with our uh, press night because by the time the announcement happened everybody had already traveled to the water mill um, and our artistic director made an announcement before and said look if anybody doesn't feel comfortable being here you're absolutely welcome to leave if not have a great evening <laughs> so we um we continued on hoping that that wouldn't be our last but but knowing that we had to really savor it and enjoy it because it might be the last time we get to do it and it turned out that it was we've done four previews and then that was the press night um, and then yeah we
0: then we closed after that oh that's so disappointing because I, I mean I imagine like you rehearsed for months for something like that uh, four weeks oh. which
1: was quite uh, um, a short amount of time for a show this difficult uh, we had puppetry um, our leading man was a puppet Oh wow! It was being operated by three different people, uh, one of which had never done puppetry before, and so it was all like we were all learning new skills. We were all working incredibly hard to make the show work and happen, and we were really proud of it. Um, but we have to be grateful that we got five performances in, and that we have some reviews now. That hopefully means the show has a little bit of a future when the madness <laughs> yeah fingers crossed so yeah.
0: tell me a bit about this show it sounds really interesting it's beautiful
1: it's written by Rhys Jennings and uh, Darren Clark and uh, Charlotte Westonville was directing it and the three of them have been developing it for I think about eight years and the Watermill had finally given them their chance to have full production of it and um it was quite a, an extraordinarily special There was was 13 of us in the company, it was an actor muso show, so I think myself and two other people were the only people who didn't play instruments in the show. Some people played multiple instruments, like accordions and flutes and dulcimers and violins and yeah, it was pretty extraordinary and um, yeah, it was a story based, I think, Oh gosh, I've, Ursula, I've forgotten her surname, wrote uh, a short story, a kind of mythological folk story and the boys discovered this and created the musical out of it and it, it's beautiful, it's about time, who has the characters called The Ugly Girl and she's kind of an outcast of this beautiful time, and uh, she wishes for a husband made of wicker and yeah. he arrives. Yeah, it's
0: beautiful. <laughs> and uh, look, tell me how you started working in what you do you know you were, you're sort of like a West End star I mean how does how do you get there how did it, you know <laughs> did you dream I mean I know you've done a lot of films as well like when you were younger you know were you dreaming of being a film star or to be on stage or
1: no in reality sitting in my home in Bangor Northern Ireland <laughs> um, I watched films like Bugsy Malone and I looked at Jodie Foster and I thought what I want, I want to be a child. Um, and then I kind of, uh, singing was definitely my kind of first introduction into the world of arts and creativity um, and I, I always loved that. And then I went to Saturday Stage School McMaster's every every week and um, different opportunities came up along the way, you know, amateur dramatics uh, with school, with our local church, with um, our local amateur dramatic society uh, and I so I would do constantly do things throughout the year and um, and then the opportunity well you get to 16 and you think I want to go now and my mum says do your A-levels first something to fall back on and, uh, and then at 18 I was like I want to go and train and my mum was like do you get a degree something to fall back on and I was like I don't want to fall back I want to go forward I want to proceed you know I want to try this and so thankfully they were both incredibly supportive and I auditioned and got into a couple of places and I chose to, go to Arts Educational in Chiswick and then uh, it turned out that halfway through our second year the um diploma turned into a degree anyway so I got the degree <laughs> my mum always wanted me to get and it's uh I don't think it's done me any favours whatsoever <laughs> to be honest. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I, I then got to London and can't I still can't believe that I live in London. It's it's nuts because it, it was always a dream. And then my first show was a UK tour of Jekyll and Hyde, but then my second job was Women in White in the West End.
0: I mean, how, how did you find, I'm- Curious about Beauty and the Beast. You were in the 2017 remake, weren't you? Um, yeah,
1: I played Belle's mum, um, and I'd already worked with Bill uh, Condon, who was the director, and Lucy Bevan, who cast it. Um, I'd worked for both of them on Mr. Holmes, the Sherlock yeah. Holmes movie with Céline McAllen playing Holmes as I think he was 98 or something like that. Um, and so I'd I'd met. Uh, Bill on that and he's the the most generous and lovely man ever (laughs) but when they were first casting Beauty and the Beast I wasn't actually available I was on tour with Anything Goes and um, so I I just thought that was it that wasn't you know I wasn't going to be able to be part of it and then the tour got cancelled about four months early and so I just let the casting office know that I was available and it turned out that actually shortly after that they did want Belle's mother to feature and they wanted to have some lines so they called me up and asked if I would do it. Brilliant. It was was the most extraordinary experience.
0: And and speaking of Mr Holmes as well I mean Sir Ian McKellen I mean what a legend I mean how was how was that sort of working with him? I mean it was
1: it was incredible it it was like (laughs) Kind of surreal, you know, because we actually filmed that on a real train. So um, myself, the the boy who played my son, and Ceryn Mckellen were in this carriage, just the three of us, and a massive camera. (laughs) Um, And so we we very much were just kind of there. And he was right opposite me in the in the carriage and i just got to watch him act up close it was it was a masterclass he's he's an extraordinary talent oh, uh, his amazing. attention to detail his attention to uh, subtlety and he, he's just he fills the room and the screen with something really magical it was it was amazing
0: shouldn't do that. Tap the glass.
1: How did you know I was going to? You must forgive my son, he loves bees.
0: It isn't a bee, it's a wasp. spent a, a while doing American in Paris as well, didn't you? Um, yeah. Where, where did you tour with that? We didn't, we were in London.
1: We were at the Dominion Theatre in London, which before that was famous for We Will Rock You, um, just to give people a sense <laughs> of the uh, location of it. Um, and it, we did it for, I think it was for, well, cons- um, including rehearsals, it was by year. Wow. Um, and it was extraordinary. I think I think for me, there have been very a lot of very special moments in my career, um, and mostly the most special shows are when everybody is slightly out of their comfort zone. <laughs> so, for example, on American in Paris, um, some people had never spoken or sung on stage before in their lives because they were ballet dancers, um, and they were coming out of ballet companies and going onto to a West End stage and being expected to perform multiple songs and multiple um scenes uh, oh, and it was just wonderful to see their journey in that and i was then expected to dance with a new york city ballet principal dancer <laughs> robbie fairchild <laughs> so i had my own uh, little uh, um kind of comfort zones being shaken I mean, you, you
0: must have done some dance training um,
1: yeah i studied musical theater and, and we studied we studied dance but there's an element of being able to do musical theatre dancing, or certainly my level was is okay, it's very competent, but it's certainly not New York City Ballet principle no. standard. <laughs> uh, so uh, the first day, I actually have a video of us, and I think it's on my Instagram page, um, I have a video of the first time that we danced together when we were learning the routine, um,
0: really?
1: and thankfully you can't see how, how much I'm going, oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was gorgeous and so generous and yeah, just wonderful.
0: But like you say, it, it's it's great sometimes, isn't it, to push yourself out, out of that comfort zone and, and, and it's actually when you discover new creative sides to yourself as well. It's, it's, it's important to develop like that as an artist, isn't it? Um, it's the most important thing. I think
1: as soon as we
0: believe we know everything
1: or that we don't have anything more to learn, then the, your career is over because you get a, a level of complacency that isn't very interesting as an artist. Um, I, I think we we all have uh, a duty actually to to continue to learn to continue can continue to develop our uh, skills and and also the industry is developing and evolving rapidly sometimes and so the style of even when I began in in a profession it's changed in the last 15 years even so I think it's really important to always stay current and and have your finger on the pulse and you know go to lessons um even if it's one-on-one or if it's um workshops or, or classes you know it's so important to continue to search out kind of techniques and styles
0: yeah absolutely and, and on that note um you know with the current situation and, and not being on stage and not in rehearsals how how are you finding that like uh, emotionally and mentally and and physically as well you know because obviously you do quite a physical job you know are you are you doing something to stay in shape like how are you feeling sort of in your head with the creative side of things like
1: i think when, when it first started um we are not strangers as self-employed actors to being out of work. And so it didn't feel terribly different to when you're just not working. <laughs> um, but of course you have your highs and your lows and you have your days and you wake up and you go, I don't know why, but it just feels really hard today <laughs> and I have no motivation and I'm, you know, or whatever. And we're grateful for the, the lovely weather and um, I'm personally very grateful to the people who have made a lot of workouts available online for free and um, I have stayed active because of that and um, and just you know trying to stay connected creative.
0: Quite a lot of um, people I've talked to are sort of turning to arts and crafts and I always say you crafty. Yep I did that! <laughs>
1: First, because <laughs> I just got back and there's a certain energy that you have when you're working and when you're not at working and so I you know press night is the the top of the energy level that you've got and your adrenaline and all that and so I was still firing and creative and anyway I, I didn't feel like performing uh, so I got interested in miniature theatre uh, miniature furniture, sorry, like creating miniature furniture,
0: and oh uh, wow. well like for doll's houses, sort of little yeah, chairs. that
1: kind of idea, um and I created a set for the show that we'd just done, like part of it, because I was playing a tailor's wife, so i meant I made a little tailor's table with oh, wow. uh, lots of fabric, and yeah, like it was just a really nice way to be active and be creative, um and just you know trying to write i mean everybody writes but it's just for for to have a flow of creativity um, and more than anything it's it's been really really nice
0: and and what uh, what's your feeling and what's your feeling with your you know your colleagues in the west end about the future because obviously um west end theatres you know they're in a difficult place at the moment and uh, you know we've we've seen news reports and stuff of you know they're worried that it it might not open, you know, and is that something you're all talking about regularly or?
1: Yeah, it's a massive conversation. Um, I'm, I mean, my, I personally am not part of any of those really integral uh, conversations, but we're grateful that people like Sonia Friedman um, and other people are, are at the front of this discussion and lobbying the, the government and asking for their help. And um, it is very vulnerable for theatres at the moment. Mm. I think what's not known very much is that it costs £30,000 just to keep a theatre open with nobody doing anything. Um, So that's a week. Um, And so to try it for for certainly for a lot of these kind of regional theatres or smaller theatres, this is absolutely going to break them. And so we're trying to... Just support the most vulnerable and encourage the government to understand that we aren't a frivolous um, act, that we are essential. Um, I personally know of many people whose lives have been saved from going to the theatre and having the theatre as as an escape. And I think it's essential. Uh, It's also possibly one of the few places in life where everyone is accepted no matter what race or gender or greed that you are and um, there's a respect and a trust there. So um, we hope that the government will help and we hope that everybody can just stay safe and sane and that theatres will open again and we just have to make sure that everybody it will be safe because social distancing isn't a, really an option. Because mm. even if you have social distancing in the audience, backstage is nuts, as you know.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> oh, this is the conversation we've been having here, is you know, it's all all the conversation seems to be on keeping the audience safe. Yeah. But it's for backstage areas are so cramped and tiny. Like there's no way of doing that. Like
1: No, there really isn't and and some theatres are better catered maybe than others for being able to do that. But it's just it's just not possible. And, and with the track and trace, you know, you kind of think, okay, if one cast member goes down, that means the whole cast has to isolate for two weeks, even if they're not sick, that's shuts a show. So um, there's, there's a lot of questions, but we, um, we don't know the, we don't know every day and every week and every month, it, it slightly shifts. And sometimes you think it's going to be sooner and then it, you think it's going to be never. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're just staying positive and um, keeping as creative as possible. Excellent. So we
0: actually met um, back in 2016, I think, um, over here in Ireland, down in Wexford, um, for it was for the, the production of um, Noel that Owen colfer and Liam Bates had written, and you played the Duchess in yes. that. And uh, I mean, that was I, I I loved playing in that. I mean, it was just the most beautiful Christmas show. Um, how how did you find that show? Did you enjoy it?
1: I I loved it. Oh, like. I think sometimes when you take jobs you never know what they're gonna be like um like as in not just what they're gonna be like on stage but the whole experience um, and I have fallen in love with Wexford <laughs> and the Wexford people and um, I think that Liam Bates made the most beautiful music ever and it was the perfect Christmas show and Owen has this brilliant sense of humor that came came out in this story, but absolutely broke your heart as well. And you know, it was it was gorgeous and having Michael Londra producing it. It was the three of them just I think created a really good creative team. And of course we had Ben Marnes directing and um, Libby was doing the movement. So we just had a really great team. I think there's something really special about Wexford and and certainly the Opera House is is an incredible theatre. The acoustics in there are a dream as a singer it's just the best you know you kind of it's the best acoustics ever so um yeah i had a really special time and then i got a chance obviously to come back to do um michael's concert so i was like yep
0: i'll come (laughs) (laughs) i I know there was a real special atmosphere with that whole the whole process i think it was you know they were they were very sort of welcoming to everyone involved it was it was gorgeous Zoe thank you so much for talking to me and giving me all your time and it's it's wonderful hearing about all these projects and I I dearly dearly hope that we will see you back on stage very very soon um so take care thank you very much no, thank you, you it's
1: been great to you
0: bye, bye. <laughs> oh what a lovely chat with Zoe she's just such a beautiful gentle energy about her and i can't wait to see her do her thing on stage again soon but thank you all so much for listening and if you like what you heard please subscribe for free and tell your friends about us too and it would also be a massive help to us if you could leave a review on the apple podcast page so i'll see you next week when i'll be talking to the one and only jerry Thin.